0: Okay, here we go.
1: informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show, in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna R. Gore, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show, into our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. We are coming to you um, in December, and uh, I have a, a very special guest and very special topic today, and, and one that we don't focus a whole lot on, but there certainly is much um, interest generated, and um, uh, that is the topic of um, victim impact statement, the creation and delivery, but with that, there there are always the um, victim, the personal victim and the families involved and backstories to go with that, and that's very much part and parcel of them, and I'm so glad to be able to to um, focus in on this topic. And uh, Delilah, good morning.
0: Well, good morning, Donna. And uh, once again, a, a really good, informative, and very, very important show coming up here. Um, I, I just can't stress enough that, you know, the families of a victim who's been silenced um have to step up and be that victim's voice and within the victim impact statement, it's one of the only opportunities that they really have to be heard and to, to be the voice of their loved one. So I'm looking forward to um, speaking with Kathy Engel on this topic and hopefully in the future, other people will, will come aboard and see um what you can do and how you've helped Kathy in her case and others as well and understand the the importance of this. It, it's not something that, that can ever be taken lightly. You can't just sit down in one night and scribble out some words. There really needs to be a lot of thought put into it, a lot of professionalism put into it. And at a time when you know, when a family is, is attending a trial and are grieving their loved one is really not the time for them to be putting down their own thoughts. It's, it's too emotional. So I think what you're offering the public is such a service that is so, so very much needed. And um, I'll let you get on with the show now. Well,
1: thank you for those words. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And and thank you so much for all your support, and thank you for the the great job that you do in putting these shows together in the network. Because it really is a, a very fine tribute. And I just want listeners to know that when they go into the network, um, it takes a long time to be able to load and and uh, create something. And there is a narrative there, and there are there are graphics and. Thank you so much for putting in a um, recommendation that Kathy so graciously wrote uh, for me. And so, with that, I guess we'll get the show on the road, so to speak, as my um, computer screen just went down. Here we go. Oh, it came up again. Um, Kathy Engel, good morning, and thank you so much for being being with us. I know this is. This is um sort of a mixed blessing here and it's not an easy thing. But I perhaps this is part of your healing. Is that not right?
2: That is correct. That is correct. And hi Donna and Delilah and thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure and it, it you're it's so valuable because we don't get this opportunity um linked together with, with a victim impact statement. So you are really helping us today. So thank you again. Um you are living in Saint Augustine, Florida right now, but you're not
0: not from there.
1: You you transplanted yourself. So you're originally from um St Louis area, correct? Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. And that's where that's where uh, the crime of your son Sean Engel um, occur- occurred. Can you give us a little background about you and your husband and your son, your family, um, in, in, with regard to that? And then we'll, we'll get into, you know, some of the some of the background of what happened with Sean and maybe the criminal justice system. And then we'll address the victim impact process that you and I went through.
2: Sure. Um- Sean was our only son Um He he, We had We Um He was Born and raised In St. Louis County Uh St. Charles I was born and raised In St. Louis Um He went to a parochial school He Had plenty of good friends He Just was a happy-go-lucky kid And Um He was the light of my life He was my only child Um and I was lucky enough that God shared him with me. So mm. that was about it. Um, mm. he,
1: uh, so he 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 grew up in that in that area, went went to went to school there. What um what kind of uh, ac- ac- activities did did he do while he was growing up that that really meant a lot to him? Well, he he
2: was a people person. He loved people. He did gaming like most of the kids, and then he pretty well worked through every sport there was: soccer and baseball and football and taekwondo. And um, his, his his love was just computers and gaming. And in fact, he had just started a online course to start uh, game designing. Mm. uh as college courses, so he was he was pretty happy he was you know he he that was him you know every kid has something my he was more of a a computer kid versus a sports kid
1: yeah they they tend to be that way it's either one or the other sometimes that the nerd or the or the or the jock or whatever whatever it right. Is, right right um, but um, and and you can tell as as much or as little as you want of this. There was an intervening issue here, um, uh, something that he he was battling. Although he had and he loved the animals too, right? So he had gaming. He liked the Oh, he
2: loved animals. He loved yes, <laughs> yes. He volunteered at the uh, local shelter. He, I'm still raising Sean's snake and he and his oh. cat. <laughs> So yeah, that was my my animal lover. He was the kid that would stop and rescue the turtles on the side of the road and all those kind of things.
1: Oh, wow. But there but there was something else that that was was a challenge in his life, right? That was part and parcel of how crime, crime crime came to be in his life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yes. Uh, drugs. Um drugs. What happened in life? He he, I think he thought it was cool to get into drugs, and he'd always been kind of sheltered. He um, started having a little experiment with drugs, and then he found that if he could sell drugs, he could make a little money, and and then it just kind of escalated um, jailing and, and, and police at our house. And, and uh, my husband and I fought it fought it, fought it, um, did everything we could, and we thought we had it pretty well under control. Sean had started to kind of show some promise with the online courses. He had a steady girlfriend. And um, he ended up just drugs did him in. Do you want me to tell you about what happened? Sure.
1: Sure it whatever you feel i mean did did he start out experimenting with marijuana and escalated to he drugs did. and he got hooked?
2: He did he started um with marijuana and then it it went to some other drugs. I couldn't even tell you the name's Molly and um thank God, it never got to heroin um, mm-hmm. but i it's just these drugs take these kids' lives over and he just saw an easy way to make money, so and I, I just don't. And know. in the
1: beginning, you didn't you didn't know about this. This was his little private cottage industry, and then you discovered. Right,
2: that, right. I did not know. I did not know. I think the, the first inclination we had was when the police called one night at three in the morning, and he'd been put in jail for God. buying drugs at a quick trip in St. Louis. And uh, then we started with, you know, counseling and, and it's everything you could do and talking to him, but his thing was that was just what he was going to do and there was no fighting it.
1: In, inpatient rehabilitation programs, those kind no, of things? No, he refused though? that.
2: No, he, he refused, refused that. that on a, we took him to a psychiatrist, to a, a person who specialized in that. Uh, I felt one-on-one was better. Mm-hmm. he never really felt like he had a problem. I think he thought we all had the problem. Oh, wow. And it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I mean, he, I just lost my son, you know. The, the son that I had raised and had been my little boy and had all the fun, just that wasn't right. the same kid.
1: I, I can't imagine as, as a mother and bringing up a son that, you know, was so much fun, had so much promise, and then you don't, maybe you don't even recognize your son, you know, for for what drugs do to them. And, and so there's a, a really big lesson there. Um, so ultimately, um, but he did start to get on the right path, correct? Cause you, yes, you he did. About how yes. did that happen? What was that transition? Was it the girlfriend you didn't know about?
2: <laughs> well, I, I think mostly... Um, once again, Sean was arrested uh, in a little county out in in rural Missouri. And he ended up in jail. And uh, he was assigned a parole officer. And we had to go to monthly meetings with this parole officer. And her name was Samantha, and she was wonderful. And for a month, I think I had my son back through this parole officer and just – just talking, and he was off the drugs. He was taking drug tests. They were negative. He, was, he met his girlfriend. They were having, you know, he started this school. And then um, I don't really know what happened. I know he started a little job at, at a mall close to us in the food court and uh, started making some friends there. Um, Sean had no problem making friends. And, um, one night he went to take home one of these so-called friends and this friend try, uh, attempted to rob Sean and, uh, he, uh, they got in a fight. Uh, he hit Sean with a gun, then he shot Sean in the chest and then Sean was able to get to his car to get away. And then this person came to the window and shot Sean two more times and, uh, Sean was able to drive away, but as he was driving away, he was pleading. And he passed out, and he ran into a car. And then I was told by witnesses that uh, this man also tried to get in the car to get the money that Sean had. And this was all in the attempt of, of trying to rob Sean.
1: Well, he had he had quite a bit of money on him, correct? He
2: did. Unfortunately, this was due to this drug dealing, and I, I I, think perhaps the two of them had some type of idea of, of a drug deal that night. I don't know. I'll never know. The only two people that know are the man that murdered him and Sean, and Sean's gone. So I think there was supposed to be a drug deal, and there was $1,500 worth of cash involved, and um, so my son was killed for 1500 worth of Dollars worth of cash, which the police handed back to us. God bless them in an envelope covered with blood. So we have. That. Oh my God! Well,
1: was this perhaps? Did we talk about the fact that it, there was perhaps speculation that he was wanting to do this as a as a final yield, so that he could perhaps be with his girlfriend and make a life?
2: Yes, there. It, it, I I do believe that. That is what the, the whole purpose was. I think this was one last fell swoop to make a big, a bunch of money. His girlfriend uh, lived in Arkansas. She was going to school. Uh, she was in a bad situation, and Sean, being my rescuer, wanted to rescue her out of this situation, and he was trying to make as much money as he could to rescue this girl. And Well... That's what happened, so, you know, he wow. lost Sean and everything else that went with it.
1: Very, very, very tragic, and, you know, I, I think he just probably sounds like so many young young men of, of, of this time where they maybe do not use the best judgment. I mean, they think they have a plan, but when something goes wrong... I guess, you know, they can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak, and in what they're doing. They're kind of they have kind of tunnel vision. So ultimately, um how long did you have to wait for the um for this to get to the um judicial process?
2: Donna, two years. Two years. Two
1: years. Waited. Wow two years
2: we waited to get to the court and see justice for Sean. Yep, the longest two years of my life.
1: And so, what happened during during that time while you were waiting? What was it? What was it like for you and your husband emotionally? And how was your husband taking this?
2: Well, and your mom? Terribly. Um, at the time, my mom had just had. Um, had been at our house. She, with all this that were, went on, she had a heart attack. She almost died. She ended up having open heart surgery. Uh, my husband uh, is never. You're, you're never the same after the loss of a child. It's just no. your your life. You go on, but it, it's just your as you're pl- you're just plodding along in a in a routine that you've become adjusted to, and so. You know, we just we're just lost. We have, you know, I mean, he was our only, he was our plans for the future, and just, you know, it, it crushed my brother. There's, he, Sean was the only grandchild and in, in, on my side of the family, so there it goes, you know, and it just it just ruined our family. There's just, I mean, we're all just empty shells.
1: Hope, hopes for the future, right? But you did decide to move. Was that was, we have, was that as a result of what happened with Sean? How is it going now in Saint Augustine?
2: Well, we had planned even before all of this happened to move, and my husband reti- was retiring, and we had discussed it, and we'd fallen in love with Saint Augustine. We'd visited here many times. Uh, Sean had been here. And we thought maybe it would be a good time to get Sean out of the bad influences, just put him in a whole different area, and, and, and maybe things would go a little better. And mm-hmm. so we started looking for property. And, um, you know, but, but unfortunately, before we could get him down here,
1: he was killed. Mm-hmm. But I don't know we, if we mentioned it was October. In October
2: 1st, 2015, at 1030 at night. Yes, ma'am.
1: So he had he had this a night job in the food court at the local mall.
2: He did. It was an evening job. Um, He uh, had started, had about six weeks. was was pretty happy with it. I guess he liked the people he worked with. He had always uh, he had gotten this job on his own, so this was quite special to him. All the other jobs had kind of been networked between. My husband and myself and friends and stuff, oh, go here and put an application in and so this was he did this his, himself, so he was pretty proud of
1: himself mm-hmm. Um. and so toward the end, were you still in contact with this probation officer that kind of was an influential with him in a positive way we We
2: were, but I, um, he had been released uh from probation. He had gotten through that offense and uh and then we kind of lost track of her and um I I I, I think she became ill. I think I I think oh, dear. perhaps she may not even be with us anymore, but she uh God bless her, she was a lifesaver in our lives. She gave us she gave us Sean back for about a month to six weeks,
1: the Sean we knew. Mhm and that must be very special to think that you know that was possible and if if but for these circumstances where he was gonna make this one last deal, you know that, that's gotta be um you know heartbreaking to think if if that situation and if you had gotten him you know but if only if only don't count in life um so with regard to um you know victim impact. Um, when did it maybe occur to you in your consciousness that, oh, at some point I'm going to have to talk about this, and how can I possibly express myself, uh, uh, and and what do I have to do? What was your understanding maybe of the? I mean, now you have had exposure to negative aspects of the criminal justice system because of Sean and the drug involvement, but. What was your understanding of what you were going to have to do? And tell us about a little bit about the, you know, prosecutors and people that you worked with.
2: Well, I think from the, from the time I, I kind of got my head together, I knew that we would get to the point in court where the family got to speak, and so I started researching everything because I'm one of those kind of people that. I have to know what's coming. I I have to read a book on it or something, and I started researching it Mm -hmm. um, and prayed and and wrote and uh, just never seemed – I'm not a writer. I never seemed to to get to a point where I felt like what I put down on paper would – this is Sean's last stand. This is his words in court, and I wanted to make him proud in court. Mm -hmm. I wanted to – Make people understand who he was and what was taken away from our family. Um, we, you know, I, I built up a good rapport with with the prosecutor and the, uh, have a wonderful crime victim advocate uh, system in St. Louis. And, you know, I, I researched and read and kept track of everything that went on. And as it got closer and closer to trial. You know, you you'd, they'd give you a court date, and then of course it'd be changed about a week before. So you just never knew. You were always kind of on 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 needles and pins, not knowing. You know, will this be the time or not? And then we had to travel back to St. Louis from St. Augustine, so we had to figure that factor in. And I had been talking to my sister, and uh, I was telling her this, and she's very, she's she's the writer, the creative, the artsy, craftsy one, and she knows somebody and everything, and. She happened to uh, find you on the, a website and gave me your link, and you were the godsend that helped me through that victim oh, advocate well, statement.
1: I, I had no idea that it was your sister. Well, how very kind. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for those kind words, but I'm just your average Joanne. I'm not a savior, but I try to I try to do what I can. But I think this is was very, very, very special for both of us because you were one of the premier clients that I've had in this process, and I think I will kind of use use our experience as a model going forward, which I think is very. They're very really good for other people, and the fact that we have, we will have this podcast as well. So that's 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 great. Um, so initially, just tell in terms of a time frame, just so that we know when did when did they say your trial was going to occur, and what happened with regard to that, and then and then you contacted me and said, oh, we've got X amount of time.
2: Well, um, they finally came up with, I believe it was about April 23rd of this year, 2016, or, yeah, 2016, and um, we weren't sure, and I was getting more and more pressured and uh, to write this, and uh, so I contacted you probably six weeks before the trial, and so I, I know I kind of put you under pressure, but I was just so happy to find you, and... And um, you started working on it right away, and we talked, and and you, you listened to my story, and you put it into words that I never could
1: have. Well, yeah, and that's a, that's a good summation of of our of our framework here. Let me elaborate a little bit, just for the um, sake of of listeners. So, sure the the process. Um, and And I was a bit flexible because I was very um, you know excited about being able to work with you um, we before we even put any pen to paper, there were like initial initial questions that um just so so that I could see where where you were coming from with regard to uh what what expectations what expectations there might be. In, in this process, and um, I have this piece of paper right here. Um, it, oh, here it is. In terms of um, we, ha- we start out with initial phone consultation, and um, just to kind of feel each other out, so to speak, so just so that people know. We'd like to know what, what your expectations are of the process, I discuss a brief overview, Find out if the person, um, if if you were going to be the main spokesperson and why you thought maybe you would be the best person versus somebody else. Um, maybe telling me of a little bit of the, the media stories um, that have already taken place about your family member and were they fair and accurate um, and maybe what was missing um, with Stories that were portrayed, so I could look them up and do research. Um, just in terms of getting the the client's focus, what might be three important things um, that you would want to tell the judge when you or the parole board, because it's also the parole board that we're talking about. Um, and just in terms of you know making a laser beam focus, how how did? you feel as a client at that particular moment, what was your idea about how could I as a person best help you? Because if we're not on the same, if I assume that, oh, this is what she needs, she or he needs, and, and you have a whole different idea, then it's wasting a lot of time. So we have to kind of glean a, you know, a, a mutual focus there. What is it that you really need help with um, in, in the process? And um, again, what is very important is what are the time frames we're dealing with um, to your best knowledge? Because as you said, what what were you saying, Kathy? How many times did they sort of postpone the date?
2: Oh, Donna, it, it had to have been at least six. I mean, after a while, we just lost track. We would just say, oh, yeah, they'll cancel that. It may have, it probably was more, but you just kind of, we, we weren't even sure that this. Trial would take you know we, we weren't even set on it,
1: so it just kind of it just kind of wears you down, and it does uh, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and you're getting prepared emotionally and just so that people know were you um, I know that you you, um, you you and your husband had a medical background what kind of uh, jobs did you have and and what happened with regard to your to your job? I know you said your husband was retired, but what what occurred with you, and are you working now? Were you working then?
2: Um, I was working uh, when Sean was killed. I was an emergency room nurse for over 30 years. Um, Loved it. Loved helping people, and uh, my husband was also. He was an emergency room nurse, and uh, so I think that helped us understand things a little bit, but I uh, I worked briefly after Sean was killed, and that's when we were still in St. Charles, Missouri. And after that, I have just I I have not been able to work. Just the being around people, and you see your son's face in every patient, and it's just heartbreaking. It's just you know, and and I and my life was I I was a mom, I was a wife, and I was a nurse, and um, so pretty well. This murder has taken away everything I've got. So no, I have not worked, but briefly since Sean died, mm-hmm. and I miss it. I miss it. Um, but I just don't think I could
1: function in it the way I used to. Right. But there is hope for the future because we're going to share before before the end of the podcast that you do have some very good and, and healthy plans for the future so time in 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 a way it it is a cliche, but it is true time does does heal wounds it, it take a very long time I mean you never ever ever get over this kind of a situation, but you are able to move on with time in a, in, in a different, a far different way, a new normal. And, um, you know, it's been, what, a little over two years now. And I, I was so happy to hear you know, so we're going to reveal that. But let me, um, D- Delilah, I just wanted to ask you, um, you know, for all of the, the radio shows that we've done in the past and all of the the, the crime victims that we know of, this in terms of being a mom and, and the loss of a child, this is such a familiar tale, is it not?
0: Oh yeah, it it is, and you know the more that you're exposed to people in in Kathy's situation, the more that you see that there are a lot of similarities, but yet there are a lot of differences. Each each person handles this in a different way. And each person needs resources and assistance that will, you know, address the situation that they are going through. And this is what I find often isn't available. And maybe Kathy can expound on that a little bit as well as to, you know, so much of the, the public resources or the check the box Things go here, go here, and do this, and do that, and everything will be fine, and we're done with you. Um, and a lot of Good. times that works, and but most times it doesn't. So you know, maybe Kathy can tell us if, yeah, if you did you reach out to get assistance, and how did that work for you? Uh-huh.
2: Yes, no, no one comes and volunteers. I mean, you basically are your own researcher, your own. I I just was Sean's advocate. I was doing this for Sean. I was the one that contacted the prosecuting attorney. I made appointments with him. Uh, I, went, I went with my crime advocate, and uh, made, we took a tour of the court where the trial would be. Um, I talked to people. I joined um, a closed group. Of um, other parents who had lost their children, and um, I, I, I just continue to research. As I said before, I'm one of those. I need to read a book about it. I need to know what I'm getting into. I want to be prepared, and I put a lot of work into this. And I've learned a lot of things about the judicial judicial system, and all, of, and, and and this whole process that I there's a lot of stuff I don't like and there's a lot of stuff I wish I could change but I have I think I've worked pretty well through it and I think um I did it for Sean. So I but mm-hmm. it is it's a hard little world to work through and uh everybody just wants to kind of oh well just brush you off a little bit and I don't know. I wanna say pat you on the head and just let you go.
1: Yeah, you'll 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 get over. We've uh, y- yeah, we've we've given you condolences and we brought you you food right. for the first month. And so the 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 others, other than your immediate family and very close friends, who can kind of hang in there with you. Which that and that happens as well. You lose friends. People oh, well, people yes do not want to hear this. Right, and they think oh well it's been a month let's kind of carry on because I have to go back and do what I need to do and that's that's not how grief works so you're right and what's the um very good point Delilah I think we need to let people know that there are kind of there is kind of a framework out there and there's victim advocates and they give you a template and they give you the tour of where the where the um trial is going to take place and they might answer you know, certain general questions, but then you're not going to get a lot of detail because the prosecutors can't reveal or won't reveal or don't want to interface with victims. Sometimes they use the advocate as the go-between or they just don't return calls. I mean, some of them are very, um, very uh, personable and they're very, victim-oriented, and I happen to know a few that are, are, are like that, like uh, David LeBon and a bunch of other people, but there are many more that are just, well, that's what the advocate's role is. I don't need to talk to the person. Or we're, we're just going to do our job in trial, which is so impersonal. Um, and so with with regard to that process, like what Kathy is saying, you end up having to do a lot of your own research, do your do your own advocacy. And um, Kathy, was the group that you talked about, was it Compassionate Friends that you joined?
2: I did. I, I, it's a closed group it's, in St. Louis. Um, uh, and did you was, find that helpful? I you know you oh, still in contact. Actually, the group I joined in St. Louis was uh, Angels Over St. Louis. But I, here in St. Augustine, I have joined Compassionate Friends. And, yes, Great. they have been a godsend. They have been a godsend because when you go to these meetings, it is everyone's went through their own heartache. You all, it it, it just, you can talk. There's no judgment. You can cry. You can tell whatever you want. You can be mad. It it just, it helps so much. It took me a while. They say give give us three meetings, and I really didn't think I was going to make it, but now. Almost a year Now you glad you did. I am, and I've made some great friends, and uh, we're having our candle lighting. It's, it's kind of a across-the-country candle lighting coming up soon in December, and I look forward to that. And um, that, that has helped me a lot, I think. Um, but I think you have to be ready for that. I think a lot of times people, I will see them come to our meetings, come once and never come back, and I think it, you just have to be ready.
1: And you never know when that's going to be. It just it just it happens. Absolutely. And I, as you say that now, I want to give a quick plug to um, all of the homicide-based uh, 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 survivors of homicide in Connecticut. There are about five others across the country. And if people are interested, there is a um, new website uh, called Resources for Victims of Murder. Isn't it, Delilah? That's Stephanie Griffin has spearheaded so that people can go and um obtain uh resources. Another one is for uh um, shelley and jeans group, um, citizens against homicide in California. There are only about six grassroots organizations for people who have um experience homicide which was very surprising to us but we we did a wonderful podcast uh, two or three months ago and I would encourage people to go in and I can also put that up for, for people like Kathy or are about uh, in the same um, space and time as she is or before that um, and are looking for resources across the country um, to help that's a good resource um, and So I wanted to give a little bit more in terms of the the detail, Um, if people are listening to this and saying, gee, I might want to procure the services of Donna or somebody else, um, the kinds of things that you might want to do, and maybe Kathy can, because we still have some time, we have about 20 minutes, Kathy, to talk about what are what are the kinds of you know the kinds of questions? I, I don't know if you were sort of surprised at my questions or the level of detail, but just to give people an idea, this is this is kind of um, I would send you a questionnaire, and um, after we agree that yes we want to do this, but I I would give you sufficient time to um, think about this and to put put your answers down on paper, and then I would review them, and then I call you back to maybe clarify things or expound upon them. And then that becomes my framework for creating creating the statement. And to me, it's very important um, um, to let people know – let's use Sean as the example. Sean, as a person – and again, the positive aspects of Sean, because there's no doubt that prosecutors, um, or the, the you know the defend the uh, the defendant of the perpetrator is going to try to uh, paint Sean in a very negative light, and are going to emphasize his challenges and his weaknesses, and the fact that he may have been somewhat complicit in this. Well, that's the, the court already knows this, but they know nothing about Sean as a person, um, irrespective maybe of the the immediate circumstances and uh, drug deals. There there was a lot more to Sean. So that is my focus, is to paint a positive picture of who the victim was, because they never get a picture of who they are until until it comes to the trial. And... Again, years can go by, and and that's all they know, is the crime, and there's much more to that. So, for example, we we ask information about demographics, the the person's name and address, the nature of the crime, um, list family members, or those who are are close to you, who have been impacted by the crime, what the date was, the date of the trial, um, do you have copies of the record, do, would you be in need of interpreter? Like, if if somebody is is uh, Spanish speaking, if you, if you're deaf, if are there are there those kinds of accommodations? Do you need that? Um, and then details about the victim, With name and age, occupation, special talents, hobbies. What were their future aspirations and their legacies? What, like for example, with Kathy, what was his best asset? And then, and then I have a, a couple of different sections of questions where I go into what is your rela- uh, personal relationship questions? What is your relation to the victim? How has this crime made an impact on, on, your, on your relationship? How would the victim wish for the outcome of the trial or hearing to be? What were the desires of, of the victim uh, for the future how how do you anticipate the future with or without, without the victim? Um, what do you want the court to know about them? And then, just so that I know your perspective, and I, I think this, this will be interesting for you to, in part, um, the, the criminal justice questions, Kathy. Um, are you satisfied with the investigation of this crime? Do you feel that the victim, the family, or the loved ones were treated fairly? Is there someone who helped you through the situation, um, especially that you would like to praise, whether it was the police, the advocate, attorney, a, a nonprofit organization? Uh, is there any information you would like the judge or the hearing officers to know that may not have been brought up? Um, and uh, what are your feelings toward the perpetrator, the defendant? What do you feel is a fair sentence? And um, it, are there other things that I have omitted that maybe you really want to know? With respect to your feelings and the perpetrator, can you, can you tell us a little bit, Kathy, about that person and, and, and what you related to me about um, how, you, how you felt the outcome should be and what, what, is there just or fair punishment and what, what you and you your heart felt you wanted to have happen?
2: No, I don't think there was justice. Um, they ended up having a plea deal and and gave him much less time than I I wanted.
1: Um, what was we, the sentence ultimately? And were you notified that there was going to be a plea deal? Was it was a total surprise.
2: You know, Donna, we uh, that we were driving back from St. Augustine to St. Louis for the trial because my husband wanted to drive. He wanted to have his car instead of flying. And uh, they contacted us in route in the car to tell us they were going to plea deal. Oh, so, no, God. there was hardly any prep. I mean, it was just like the a week before. And, uh, no, and, and, the, and the thing is with the plea deal, you may not like it, but you have no say-so in it. They make that plea deal and it's done.
1: And they don't consult you.
2: They can. They tell you what they're going to do. They tell you the idea, Uh, but they don't ask for your input. I mean, of course, I gave my input. I said they had originally thought 25 years. Well, this man was sentenced to 23 years in prison, and he's still someplace lost in the judicial system as we speak um
1: what do you what do you mean by that well he's
2: uh they start off at jail and then they're they're transferred to a like a diagnostic center and uh he's still in that diagnostic center and waiting to be sent out to another uh to the prison he will be staying in and he's a level five because of 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 the crime he's the highest crime level you can get and uh, they uh, the, the the charges that are against him still have not caught up the murder charges he's being held right now for just uh destruction of property so i've once again being the advocate have talked to uh the the advocate the victim's advocate through the prison and uh she and i have built quite a little rapport and i call her and she keeps me updated but uh, yeah, the the judicial system is just slow and backed up, and
1: it's I, I it's did they tell you why why they were doing a plea deal as opposed to going through it, a trial? Uh, it,
2: well, basically, yes. Uh, it would save the taxpayer money, and it would uh, it would cut down on court time so someone else could be charged, and that was basically. In a nutshell, probably pretty well uh, put a little bit nicer is how the prosecuting attorney told it to me.
0: Kathy, as the victim's family, did you have a choice whether to agree or disagree with this plea deal, or it's just a done thing, you know, the prosecutor says this is what we're doing, you have no choice?
2: You have no choice. You can certainly tell them, you can verbalize it, oh, no. That's not what I want, but it, it does awesome. not matter. Once that decision is made, once those the, the boys go in the closed room or make that decision, and uh, it's just it's it's easier for them. Uh, it's you know I mean, but it's not easier for us. Sean never got his day in court. He ne- we never got to hear everything. It was just simple when we went to court. The only thing that I got to do for Sean and thank God I had it and thank God I'd met met Donna to do it. I had my victim impact statement. And you I are read still that you were about
1: to present that even though you do not have a trial, like at, at sentencing, correct? I
2: was. I. I, I
1: what was it like
2: that. that day? The day was I was surreal it's uh many of my friends showed up when he walked in um i just i, I stared at him the whole time i would not let eye contact go wow. um and then it was all hushed they took him up to the judge and they kind of hushedly talk what they're doing and you sit there and and uh and then after everything was kind of pleaded and they agreed on everything. Then the judge said, oh, and I understand uh, the the victim's parents would like to make a statement. And, I mean, she could have said no, but she did. She let me – I brought pictures. I had blown up some big pictures and had them made into Canvas and posted those. Well, she and couldn't
1: have said no because that's your right as a crime victim. I, I You know, at that point <laughs> – Donna,
2: I, I, sure, I, I would have right? fallen on the floor and, and thrown a fit if that woman hadn't let me give that report because that was that was what Sean I got to share Sean's story. And and and, you know, with your help I think we we told Sean's story very well. And um, I think it just having that paper and having someone helped me with it, I bound it, I went up there very professionally. I read it, I paused, I would stare at at this horrible murderer of my son and then read some more. And then in the end, I brought two pictures up, one of him in his suit and tie. Mm-hmm. He was getting ready to go to uh, some special event, and then I brought up the picture of him that I had taken at the morgue of how this man had, had just beaten my son to a pulp and how he looked. <sighs>
1: Oh wow! And so you have a picture of him from the morgue?
2: I do. I do. I I went to the morgue. I I went to the site he was killed. I I I've done everything. I've anything for Sean, but I had to gather every little piece. I have to have that. It's something. I, it's almost like you have to have that with you
1: to know that and it's real. And you have to
2: fight yeah. for everything too. Yeah. But when um, I I was very. Concentrating on what I was saying, and staring at Jamar. Sorry, that was his name, but the okay. murderer. And uh,
1: was there any eye contact said, or response from him when you were?
2: All he would do is he'd look at me until he caught my eye, caught his eye, and then he would look down in shame. Um, but. The thing is, you don't really you don't know what's going on in court because you are so concentrating, but my husband and all the people that came to support Sean said that the impact statement affected everyone. They saw the, the on the face of the judge, her reaction to the pictures, and just what went on. Um, really oh i I'm clerk, so
1: happy to hear that
2: the guards and the my husbands so one of the guards was crying it was it was it impacted that court, although it did not change the sentence.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It impacted that court and had Sean had his time and they had not plea dealed this out, I think it it would have influenced the uh, sentencing of this man. So um, yes, it 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 gave my family and I, uh, I don't know, I can't call closure. There's never closure, but it gave us no. strength,
1: resolution, resolution.
2: Yes, to that it is chapter. It, I got to tell this man how, how, how I felt. I got to tell the court about Sean, so they knew Sean. And. Um,
1: and they saw what a handsome, I love that photo of him in, in the white shirt with the um, whatever that is uh, printed on his shirt. He's he, such a cute, handsome guy.
2: He he certainly is and was. He, he was a beautiful kid inside and out, had the best heart I've ever known. He was just, um, I don't know. Well, I
1: can't tell you how much it lifts my heart today, and I'm gonna carry that through the whole weekend. To say that you know everyone in the courtroom had a, a a reaction to the the impact statement that you know, and ultimately you may put some personal touches on the final, final, final version, but that and and that is certainly your prerogative, and and you did that, which is fine. But I'm so glad that I was able to to have to have a part of that, and for you to share that today is a real gift to me. So thank you, thank you so much. Um, with regard to you know, the other day I called I you from work and we talked a little bit about um, what you're going to be doing in the future, and you told me something rather exciting, and to me that that signals that you are you are sort of graduating on the on the the stairway to healing one more step by what you told me you you are you are doing can you share with our audience please
2: oh absolutely um well i had just happened to come upon a, a, that you could volunteer to help the sheriff's department here in st augustine it's called st john's county and um i, I help the police file papers and uh and just be there. Yeah, I figure it's going to be just the the stuff they don't really want to do. But I'm hoping, and we have so it's like three, a clerical position, sort of. Sort of, but I'm hoping uh, we have three sheriffs in our neighborhood and um, that know me, and hopefully will put in a good word. But I'm hoping eventually, perhaps I might be able to help some some crime victims, even just. Giving them suggestions or listening to them, just just to help, just just to, it, it, it's it's such a hard and long road. You don't know where to go. There's no guidance. There's no book. Nobody wants to help you. There's not that much out there. And just to be able to, in Sean's name, to uh, maybe help someone else a little bit. You know, if I help one yeah. person, it would be worth it. But yeah, and uh, I feel the police. The police were on it in St. Louis. They got the guy. They caught him. He was in jail that night. They did their job, and,
1: and I feel I owe that to the police. Mm-hmm. I feel. What, what, what ultimately happened with that, um, what was it, $150? It, they gave it back to you? Did you, like, donate it or something? Uh
2: that was a $1,500. Oh, $1,500. Mm, that That's was so the envelope of bloody money that the policeman <sighs> handed money. back or the detective handed back to my husband. Uh, we went down to the, you know, my husband immediately came home from <sighs> work went down, and uh, the police officer handed him that. And what do you so, do
1: with bloody money? I'm sorry, but I've never... I've never had anyone tell me that. What do you do with it?
2: Well, we have have put it in our safe, and we
1: can you wash
2: just, it? I have no idea because we'll never touch it. We just I, it's I, I don't know what'll happen to that safe. money, but it's, oh, wow. it's it's there. We could never use it. We could right. It's just um, you look at it and you you think of what had to go on in that.
1: Oh, my God, Kathy, that's off. I would think if there had been a trial, that would have been considered, you know, evidence, don't you?
2: I, I, I would have thought so, but, you know, I got the bloody money back, but there was a wallet, so I guess the wallet might have been involved, and, and we are still fighting to get records. And that's another thing. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible to try to get records, the morgue records, the police records. Because it's it's an ongoing trial, and I understand that, but we have uh, we have fought long and hard to, and there are still parts of this that we don't know, and there are still things that we want back. Uh, for example, his wallet. Um, you know, so we're still dealing. We we we've hired a lawyer who's helping us g- g- get these things back. Because all we have, this is all we mm-hmm. have. It's, it's it's part of Sean, and I want it back. Yeah. So it's, um, but nobody seems to want to help you. You just well, gotta pretty well go out there and 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 just talk to people and network. And thank God I found you and my sister helping me. And it's just um, it is a labor, and but it's, yeah. you you do it because you, you, you for
1: your son yeah. or for your daughter or right you do. To, to kind of tie, tie things up, in case people are wondering, is, is there anything you can tell us about this, this girlfriend from Arkansas? Well, we
2: still kind of keep in touch. I think this has been very hard for her. She was young, and I, I think um, um, she, she's she's fighting her own demons. I think. Mm-hmm. This, she didn't have a very good life to begin with. And then I think Sean was her savior and him being gone, I think she's kind of just lost herself again. And I do try to keep in touch with her and I keep in touch with her mom. And and uh, I hope someday that she can find peace with us too. But this, you know, this ruined her too.
1: It just, yeah, yeah. I, I can understand. And now, going through, um, we said something the other day. We just got about maybe less than two minutes. Um, with regard to the holidays and all, and the holidays are still very, very tough for anyone that's suffering a, a traumatic loss. And um, so, you had gone through uh, Halloween and Thanksgiving. I guess were his favorite holidays. What What advice would you give? To anyone who is is in your particular position right now to try to uh, what what should besides being their own advocate which you you've given a very good response to thanks to D- Delilah opening up the the, the dialogue there um, what else would you want to tell our audience would uh, to kind of give them hope or or a, a message that you'd like to convey as parting thought
2: Well I think that. People are uncomfortable with this and they think you should act a certain way and there is no certain way. It's 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 your choice. If you don't want to put a Christmas tree up, don't. And right. I don't have to explain that to anyone. No. My neighbors invite us for things and I'll say this is just a bad time for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel guilty for turning people down. Um, we celebrate in our own way. Um, just never feel guilty I, it, it, you know people tend to think you should be done with this and and you're never done it will never end the, it, it will end when you get when you get reunited with your son or your daughter in heaven and so never feel guilty that you want to you mourn and it never feel there's a limit to it because you have to work through it and there's it is the work oh, it is the worst thing thing I have ever been through in my entire
1: life and I even would- with your background absolutely and you know I think it's so good that you're building these surrogate families of compassionate friends and now you're going to be volunteering with the police so I see nothing but positive things little by little coming your way and I hope that we will maintain our our communication because you're very important to me and I just wanted to say that to you so oh. thank you thank you so much for doing this this Hour had just kind of flown by, so we're going to have to wrap up for now. But please do keep in touch, Delilah. Thank you so much for everything that you contributed here.
0: And well, one, um, one more thing before you yes, before oh, you hi. end the show, um, I think for everyone out there, they need to know about a book that you were participated (laughs) in as an author, and um, it's called Grief Diaries, Victim Impact Statement. There are other stories of other people who have gone through similar situations as Kathy has, um, and you have, and experts, all kinds of people who have become a part of this book, and you can get it at griefdiaries.com or on Amazon.
1: Absolutely and thank you. I just forgot to mention that and thank you for blowing up. Well, my mind. I know you did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you can close sure. out the show and say goodbye now.
1: Okay, thank you. And also be sure to check out Surviving Lost um by homicide in the Grief Diaries, which I co authored as well. So thank you, thank you so much, Delilah. Um love you. And uh so for for now we will uh close close out this show until the next show. We've got a very exciting show coming up, I believe, the week after next. Thank you, Kathy. And, Thank you. Um, happy holidays, everyone, or however you choose to celebrate or not. See you next time. Bye-bye.